Greetings, friends, fellow patriots, fellow citizens, and even non-citizens, and welcome to this week's edition of the We the People Convention News and Opinion Podcast. My name is Tom Zawistowski, and I'm the host of this podcast, and I'm the president of the We the People Convention organization, which has been around for about 15 years. Uh, for, uh, for those of you who are new to this podcast, welcome. And for those of you who've been longtime you know, viewers and listeners, thank you for your support and loyalty. And this podcast, along with our fantastic website, uh, our emails, our text messages, our, our uh, phone app, uh, you know, the donations we make to other conservative groups around the state and the country, and, uh, you know, the efforts we make to hold events to help educate uh, and inform uh, patriots and help them uh, understand how to fight the fight and win are all paid for through the generous donations of the donors to the We the People Convention. So thank you to those of you who use your hard-earned dollars to help make what we do possible. Thank you very much. As you can see you know, up on the screen here, I've got this you know, the 2024 Victory Fund logo. I announced this last week, and I want to thank those of you who've already donated to the Freedom for All PAC. But basically, I'm asking you to fund the fight. And if you go to We the People, excuse me, if you go to freedomforallpack.org, freedomforallpack.org, you can uh, donate to the Victory Fund uh, because, folks, this is it. We've talked about it for a long time. 2024 is when we got to win. We got to go all in. And I'm asking you, even if you've donated before, to go all in because we need the resources to fight the fight and elect President Trump and elect other uh, Senate candidates you know, to take back the Senate and congressional candidates and state candidates down ticket. So this is the year, and I need you to be all in. So that's why that logo is up there. You can also see that our flag is still flying upside down. And those of you who are new uh, to this podcast, you may say, wow, that seems disrespectful. But this is not intended to disrespect our flag or our nation. It is a warning to your fellow citizens, to you, that we are in dire distress because of the actions of the government and, and you know, because of China's attacks on us. Now, I say that every week, and I tell you to go to wethepeopleconvention.org and search on Flag Upside Down, and then there's a link there to a Gordon Chang interview that's only eight minutes that explains to you that we're at war with China, okay? I also have talked to you about, if you just go on a little eyeglass at wethepeopleconvention.org and search on Democrats China, you'll see that the Democrats and most of the major Republicans are owned by the Chinese, but this week, there was a really important story that came out, and I, and I sent it out, and thousands of you came to the website to view it, which is why you want to have you know, the links to our, you, know, you want to be on our text messaging and email uh, links so that you can get these messages. You just do that on the front page of wethepeopleconvention.org and sign up if you're not already getting our messages. But I want to start the podcast with this story because it's so important. Uh, you know, FBI Director Christopher Wray tells Congress China is determined to wreak havoc on U.S. critical infrastructure. Okay? You can't be any more direct than that. They want to wreak havoc. China is and has been at war with the United States, and our top government officials, many of whom have been compromised by the Chinese, take no political or economic action to stop them. 
That's why we are losing this war, and we are losing the war to China. U.S. officials said Wednesday they disputed, uh, they disrupted a Chinese-backed effort to plant malware that could damage civilian infrastructure as the head of the FBI warned that Beijing is positioning itself to disrupt the daily lives of Americans if the United States and China ever go to war. The operation announced just before FBI Director Christopher Wray addressed House lawmakers disrupted a botnet of hundreds of U.S.-based small office and home routers owned by private citizens and companies that had been hijacked by the Chinese hackers to cover their tracks as they sowed their malware. Their ultimate targets included water treatment plants, electric grid, and transportation systems across the United States. Speaking before the House Select Committee on Chinese Communist Party, Ray said there's been far too little public focus on a cyber threat that affects every American. Well, why is that? Why is that? Yeah, because they've been bought off by the Chinese. That's why that is. Uh, the comments align with assessments from outside cybersecurity firms, including Microsoft, which said in May that state-backed Chinese hackers had been targeting U.S. critical infrastructure and could be laying the technical groundwork for the potential disruption of critical communications between the U.S. and Asia during the future crisis. The U.S. has in the past few years become more aggressive in trying to disrupt and dismantle both criminal and state-backed cyber operations, with Ray warning Wednesday that Beijing hacked a back hackers aimed to pilfer business secrets to advance the Chinese economy and steal personal information for foreign influence campaigns. They are doing all those things, said Ray. They are fed up. They all feed up ultimately into their goal to supplant the U.S. as the world's greatest superpower. How, how can you make it any clearer? That's their goal. Why are we letting them? U.S. officials have long concerned about such hackers uh, hiding in the U.S.-based infrastructure and the, and the end-of-life Cisco and Netgear routers exploited by the Volt Typhoon hackers were easy prey because they were no longer supported by their manufacturers with security updates. Okay, so what they were doing is they were going into small companies like mine where I have a router, you know, that's, you know, a Cisco router from probably 15 years ago. It still works fine for me. But there's no security patches. And so the Chinese were going into personal and small business routers and putting this malware in that they can then use to attack the water grid, the, the water systems and the power grid. Okay? But here's my point. And if you go to the story, okay, and read it, you'll see that I said, but we haven't taken any economic or political action. Joe Biden has just let the Chinese do whatever the hell they want, okay? And so they're not going to stop. It's real simple. The Chinese economy is, is teetering on the brink, folks. They have a completely, their housing situation is totally bankrupt. And, and I said when Trump was president, and I've said ever since, that the vulnerability for China is the banking system. If you cut them off from accessing U.S. banks and world banks, they're done. They're done. The Chinese economy collapses. Now, that may not be a good thing because if it does, you know, what is, what's Xi going to do? Just start a war, right? Because he doesn't want to be overthrown, so you got to distract people. But what I'm saying to you is you're not going to stop these hackers. In that testimony, 
The one a, a person was saying that there are 50 Chinese hackers for every one American trying to stop them. Who do you think is going to win that? Because guess what? I'll tell you something. As someone who spent their life in the technology industry, okay, it's a heck of a lot easier to break things than it is to fix them. And so we're a tremendous disadvantage. And the only way to stop them is economically and politically, and we're doing neither. Neither. Okay? So you're going to see that we need to take action down the road. Okay? But I wanted to bring this to you because that's why the flag's upside down. We're at war, and your fellow citizens, your brothers and sisters, your cousins, your uncles, your aunts, don't know it. But they're serious, and we're moving closer and closer to war, not just with the Chinese, but in the Middle East, and we'll talk about that later. So before we go any further, you know, if you watch this show all the time, you know that we never forget the January 6th political prisoners. And for those of you who are new, it's because they are the canary in the coal mine. They represent how the U.S. government has tone, turned totalitarian, where they are not enforcing the law. They are men ruling over us to enforce their rule. That's what they represent, okay? And this podcast, this show, is about protecting and defending our individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity, Versus what? State control and slavery. That's the fight here. It's not Republicans against Democrats. It's not, you know, uh, you know, it's not economic. It's real simple. The forces in the world want to rule over individual men and women. We as a nation were formed to protect the individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity of the individual versus the state. That's the fight we're in. And, and right now, we're losing, and the victory fund here is so that we can fight to win this year and restore the rule of law. But the January 6th political prisoners, they're the canary in the coal mine because what they did is nothing compared to Black Lives Matter and Antifa and what they did in 2020. They all got, they're burning $15 billion of damage versus a few million dollars at the Capitol. More police were killed by them. People were murdered. That didn't happen. No police were killed on January 6th by the protesters. But five protesters were killed, okay? So this is the focal point and why we can never forget them. And so we start our podcast with a prayer for the January 6th political prisoners, their families, and their lawyers to have God please guide them and give them courage and strength to sustain themselves during this horrible ordeal until we can elect President Trump and reestablish the rule of law and get their sentences either waived or adjusted because you shouldn't go to jail for f 10 years for a misdemeanor, okay? And we're going to draw a comparison here after we say our prayer. So please join me and just say a prayer for the prisoners, their families, and their attorneys. I thank all of you who've donated to their legal funds, their gifts and go. 
account, and you can go to j6truth.org to see the videos they've put out. And 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 we've you know really supported Jake Lang, and you can hear interviews with him you know on our pod on our uh, website. And, and, you know, you can look at the story that was just out last week about the fact that they have no chance, zero chance of getting a fair trial in Washington, D.C. because they paid for a poll uh, to, to, of the voter of the jury pool in D.C. and found that they're already convicted. There's the, 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 you know, the people literally admitted, I want to be in the jury so I can convict them, not so I can hear the truth. Okay, we talked about that last week. So now I want to draw a contrast for you between two things. Okay, the first story is this guy, January 6th rioter who blindside tackled Capitol officer is sentenced to more than six years in prison. And this is a story of a Donald Trump supporter um, for, uh, who blindsided a U.S. Capitol police officer from behind on January 6th and flipped him over a ledge and was sentenced to more than six years in prison Tuesday. Ralph Clementano, a New York man who um, thought Trump was the greatest president in American history, was sentenced to 78 months in federal prison. U.S. Uh, just, just U.S. District Judge Timothy Kelly said that Clement's conduct was disgraceful and there was no excuse for it, calling the attack on the officer a truly cowardly and despicable thing to do. Now, this story is from NBC News, so it's going to be, you know, prejudice, okay? Uh, at Peace Circle, Senate sent. Celentano said in a video that rioters should occupy the Capitol, it's our building, and then join the mob confronting officers. Celentano then pushed officers and used their riot shields against them. Okay? So this is where we have a problem because he's actually physically fighting with the police. After the riot, Celentano pushed back against conspiracy theories about the attack, saying Trump supporters were in fact responsible. Nope, nope, uh, nope, Antifa and BLM didn't take the Capitol. We the people did, Clement wrote on a defunct right-wing social media platform, Parler. Okay, now, the problem with that is that I didn't go to the, cap to the Capitol to take over the building. I don't think most of the people who were there did that. And it hurts us when this guy says, oh, that's what we're there for. That's the narrative that the left wants to say. We were there to overthrow the government. I said on that day, okay, and I'll say it again now. If we wanted to overthrow the government that day, we could have. They're not enough police and army to stop a crowd that was in the close to a million, probably six, seven, eight hundred thousand people. If we wanted to burn the capital to the ground, we could have. We didn't. That wasn't our purpose. Our purpose was to get our elected representatives to do their job. And, and, and look at the vote and question some of the things that happened. And, and you guys all know the drill. This, this was a, there was no insurrection on January 6th. There was a cover-up of the coup that happened in November when they stole the election. That is what will be proven. But this guy doesn't help us. And the fact that he did assault police officers, I think you have to go to jail for that. But then contrast that with this guy, because it just shows you the two-tier justice system. Sheriff deputy who aided Roseanne Boylan on January 6th faces up to 14 years in prison. 14 years. Now, how can this be? Sarah Maccabee, 
said she wasn't shocked that federal prosecutors used sentencing enhancements to develop a recommendation that her January 6th defendant husband be sent to prison for 14 years for roughly seven minutes he spent outside the tunnel entrance to the U.S. Capitol. I don't even know the words, to be honest with you, about how insane this is, Ms. McAbee said after the ongoing case against former sheriff deputy Ronald Colton McAbee, 30, of Unionville, Tennessee. You know, there's just no words when you sit back and think about it as a whole. McAbee was found guilty by a jury in October of five felony charges, including inflicting bodily injury on Metropolitan Police Officer Andrew Wyatt, civil disorder, entering and remaining in a restricted building or grounds with a, de- with a deadly and dangerous weapon, and two other charges, including assault on uh, um, Police Officer Carter Moore. Mr. McAbee swiped at the sh- and shoved the officer after he struck McAbee's shoulder, which had recently been broken with a riot stick. Federal prosecutors want U.S. District Judge Randolph Contreras to sentence McAbee to 14 years in prison, which is ranked in the top 10 punishments doled out among the 1,260 January 6th cases. Sentencing is set for February 29th. Okay, so here's a situation where this is a, a former sheriff, right? So, you know, he's not a nut job, all right? But the police are hitting him with a stick, and he's defending himself, and they're basically accusing him of assaulting the officer. This is where things are out of control. Seven minutes. He's trying to save Roseanne Borland, who the police killed. And, and he gets no consideration for that, which you would in a regular court. So there's your two-tier justice system. This, and the guy that they, you know, they convicted of all these charges and said, we're here to take over the Capitol, he gets six years, and they want to give 14 years to this former sheriff. Why? Because they're trying to message you. They're trying to message us, the We the People Convention members, the, the, the MAGA people. They're trying to send a message to you that we will take you out if you stand up to this government. And the answer we must give is not to shy away and step back, but to step forward and confront them more directly. Because if you don't, you will become a slave. Okay? So that's what this the whole thing's about. It's psychological warfare. You need to fight back. You cannot be fearful of the tyrants. You must stand up to them or they will destroy you. Okay? All right, so I mentioned the, the 2024 you know, Victory Fund, and you know, so I've got that up here. And so last week I announced this, and I put a draft of, of what our plan was for success in 2024. And you can see that at wethepeopleconvention.org. I want you to go back to that today and look at our wethepeopleconvention.org. Go, you know, look for the Victory Funds, you know, logo on the articles, and you will see that I've now turned our plan into a letter to President Donald Trump. Now, I haven't sent it yet because I'm waiting for you to give me some input. I've also shared it with some other national Tea Party groups and and see if they will sign on with me uh, to send so, so we can try to get President Trump to act on this. Okay. And I also want your opinion as to whether you think I should just open this letter up, this plan up, to have signatures by tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of regular patriots to send the message to President Trump. 
I need your input, okay? So this is still a draft, and it's at you know our website. But basically, I'm going to read a little bit to you because I've, I've now put it in the form of a letter to President Trump. We are, Dear President Trump, we are writing to you today to propose a plan that will assure our success, not only in reelecting you to the office of president, but in making sure that we retake the U.S. Senate and build our majority in the U.S. House to make it possible to implement our America First agenda legislatively and through massive reform of the federal bureaucracy. We must take advantage of the fact that the Republican nomination process is over and you are the nominee, which means that we can direct our time, effort, and money toward building an election machine that will defeat the left instead of wasting it on meaningless primary races. I talked to you last week about how important that was, that we now cannot waste that money on the primary and use it for the general. I continue, you have a literal army of patriots who are prepared to help you make America great again, but we are in need of some organizational structure and direction that is currently lacking. Therefore, we ask you to consider taking these key actions. Number one, as soon as possible, we ask you to organize a weekend retreat for all 50 Republican state party chairmen. Okay, and then I go on to explain what would happen at that. Number two, we ask you to also hold a separate weekend retreat of grassroots MAGA leaders from all 50 states and national groups like Tea Party Patriots, Turning Point USA, Act for America, NRA, Heritage, to get us organized and focused in our states and nationally. Number three, we ask that you emulate your 2016 Supreme Court strategy and start naming at regular interviews between three and five candidates for the executive branch departments like agriculture, labor, you know, treasury, what have you, because it would drive the left nuts and suck the oxygen out of the, of the whole news cycle. Number four, we encourage you to call a meeting of all the previous Republican presidential candidates to get their commitment to start consistently campaigning for MAGA U.S. House and Senate candidates and to help recruit people for Project 2025. If you don't know what Project 2025 is, just go to project2025.org. It's a program by Heritage to recruit the people who will serve in the next conservative you know, administration. And I talked last week about how important that is. And number five, finally, we ask that you help raise the national profile of Project 25 by highlighting it at your rallies so that we can recruit the very best American patriots to sign up and be vetted and go through the training long before the November election so that they will be ready in January of 2025 to implement our plans to restore the rule of law, to restore representative government, to completely transform, fundamentally transform Barack Obama, not America, the federal government, to make it you know, serve the people. And then I basically said, we thank you for your consideration of our plan for, for success in 2024 and hope that you will embrace it as your own and begin implementing it immediately. We know that we cannot do the same things we did in 2020 and expect different results. We must do things differently and better in order to win. We are confident that this plan will assure our victory this year if you execute it. Okay? I need you to go to wethepeopleconvention.org, look at the letter, tell me what you think needs changed, you know, and, and tell me if you think you know, we should have it open for signatures. 
you know, how should we present it to President Trump? But we got to get this done. Now, in this vein, a very important meeting happened this week. Turning Point Action holds event to train GOP chairs from 100 key counties. So Charlie Kirk has been on a kind of a similar path. He knows we're not ready. We're just not ready in any way. And he's been beaten on the RNC and wants to get rid of Ron McDaniel and all that stuff. You know, and that's part of it. And what they did in Las Vegas this week was important. I'm going to tell you about it. But it shows you why we need a more comprehensive plan like the one that I just you know, read to you about our 2020 Victory Fund. All right. Our plan for success. So let me read to you what Turning Point did because it was exciting. Turning Point holds event one week before RNC event to do what the RNC is not doing. Help GOP county chairs target low interest R voters. Turning Point Action, the political arm of conservative movement leader Charlie Kirk's Turning Point USA, has identified more than 4.5 million so-called disengaged Republican voters in several battleground states around the country, enough to more than swing the 2024 presidential election results from 2020. The group held its first ever Restoring National Confidence event at the Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino on the Las Vegas Strip on Monday and Tuesday, flying in county GOP chairs from 75 of the top 100 battleground counties around the country. Now, that's pretty creative, and, and it's a lot of money, and, and, and they paid for them to fly them out there. Um, the event contrasting the Republican National Committee winter meeting, which will be held right now as you're watching this podcast on, on Saturday, you know, the 3rd of February, the RNC is having their meeting in Las Vegas, okay, is designed, as Breitport has reported, to show things the event organizers, which include some of the 168 members of the RNC, should be doing. The counter-events named Restoring National Conference even trolls the RNC with the same acronym as the National Republican Party Committee, right? Restoring National Conference, RNC, RNC, Republican National Committee. It's a turnout game, Charter Kirk said. It's got, it's, it's, it's got to be all in on Arizona, Georgia, and Wisconsin, uh, in Wisconsin. He thinks those three states are going to decide the election. I don't think so. I think it's there's more states in play. But again, kudos to Charlie Kirk and Turning Point for making this effort. Interestingly, here on Monday morning, the county-level GOP chairs from around the nation were provided with binders that include precinct-specific data in their counties as well as state-level data on what Turning Point actress Tyler Brower said was low propensity GOP voters. The, de the definition, loosely applied, is basically voters who have been identified as likely to vote for the Republican for president, but they didn't vote in 2016 or 2020. And as I've said to you before, despite you know the you know, you know Joe Biden claiming he got the most votes ever, you know 85 million, and Trump having gone up like 11 million to 75 million votes. Okay, if you add those two numbers together, it's about 150, 160 million. Well, guess what? There's like 220 million adults in this country who are eligible to vote. So there's as many people as Trump got votes who didn't vote at all. That's the part that's insane about our country. But you know why? Because they've lost faith in the system. And you and I have to reach out to these people and say, listen. You may have lost faith in the system, but if you want to change it, this may be your last chance. 
right here, right now. You need to get engaged and help us take back our country from the communists and restore the rule of law and our constitution and get us back on track or you may never have a chance again. And so the, the numbers which Turning Point Action provided to Breitbart News exclusively are stunning. Across 10 battleground states, the group identified 4,571,210 disengaged GOP voters who did not vote in 2016 or 20. The 10 states counted are Florida, Iowa, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Georgia, Ohio, Michigan, uh, Arizona, North Carolina, and Nevada. While Trump won Florida, Iowa, Ohio, North Carolina, Democrat Joe Biden took the other six states, and in each one, the disengaged GOP voters' total was more than the margin of Biden's victory over Trump. Okay? So there's multiple things that go into this. Yes, we have to stop the cheating, right? But we also have to not only turn out our vote, but bring out new voters. And quite frankly, if you've watched the show regularly, in 2016, the reason Trump won was in a big part because we did not work with the Republican Party, meaning the We the People Convention, our volunteers. We worked exclusively with the NRA. And we were calling and talking to NRA members about voting for Trump. Many of them hadn't voted in 25 years. But the reason that, that they voted for Trump was because of gun rights. And so, you know, we, we found, you know, we were talking to Democrats and independents because they're NRA members too, not just Republicans. And so Charlie Kirk is on to the right path here, and you can get involved with Turning Point Action in your state and help find these people and turn them out the vote. That's what we're going to be doing as the election nears gets more close, okay? Now, all of this is under the, you know, the the shadow of the Chinese trying to destroy us and paying money to, I mean, remember, you know, the election machines that had their, you know, the servers uh, that were in China and stuff like that, okay? So the Chinese are doing this, but now the big story is, and right now the issue for the vote is what? Immigration, the border crisis, illegals destroying our country. That is the number one thing that people are voting against. They want to close the border. But here's what they're not telling you. And this is why I played the, I put this video up with Tucker Carlson talking to Ken Paxton. And, and it, it, he said, it, the invasion is a plan to destroy our nation and they are targeting red states. That's what the bottom line is. Okay? So I want you to hear Ken Paxton say it straight up. And you got to understand, they're trying to steal our country. And your rhino governors are helping them. And I'll talk to you about that after this video. So this, I think this is a plan. I mean, this is clearly a plan, right? This is a strategy. It's just like their election strategies. They have, this is a strategy that started on day one when, when Joe Biden said, well, we're not going to deport anybody. And, of course, he brought people in like Merrick Garland who were fine with not enforcing federal law, who didn't care if the Constitution was was honored by the president or him and so their goal is simple i think they it's it's two things they want more votes and this is a way of getting them here and then they'll want to give amnesty and they are bringing them mostly to republican states and they also want to hurt republican states i believe because there are costs associated with this 
And right now in America, people are voting with their feet. They're leaving California, Illinois, New York, right. and they're going to Florida, and they're going to Texas, and they're going to Tennessee. They're going to Republican states because it's a better life, and they don't have to deal with the higher taxes and the regulations, and they're going to have a better life for their families. And so the Democrats realize this. Biden and his team realize this. So part of the, the way of dealing with that is, well, let's just hurt Republican states. Let's bring more crime for them to deal with so it's less likely that people want to go there. Let's bring in more costs so it's, they have to have higher taxes to pay for all this illegal immigration that they didn't ask for, but the federal government brought to them. So I think it's a twofold strategy. Harm the Republican states, do as much damage, and if it means some kids die or some people die, they are willing to trade that to get the votes and the damage to Republican states. And people would say, how cynical, but I'm looking at what they're doing, not what they're saying. In the 1980s, when I lived there, California was the richest state, the least corrupt state, had the best schools, the best roads. And now, of course, it's a, the most corrupt state, one-party state, and it's un, unlivable. And immigration did that. No other thing did that, just immigration. So why wouldn't that happen in Texas, which has been their goal from the beginning anyway? It's going to happen. It's going to happen all over the country, it's, and particularly in Republican states, because that's where they're bringing most of the illegals. That is the strategy. Fill up the Republican states to deal with the problems, the crime, the, the cost. And then also, hey, there'll be more voters. They'll have kids. Those people will vote. And they presume that those votes will go their way. And that's the strategy, because if you turn this into, if you turn Texas and a few other states Democrat, we effectively are California. We have a one-party system where there's That's not right. accountability, there's not competition, there's not a way for the voters to change things if the system is rigged so that only one party is in power. And that's the, that is ultimately the, the strategy of the Democratic Party, create one party where the voters don't have a choice. So there you have it. How can you be any more clear than that? That's what you know. people you know have no clue about. You don't hear that on national news. And see, again, this is why if you haven't subscribed to Tucker Carlson Network, I got to tell you, folks, every day he is putting out the best information you can get on all kinds of topics. And it's like eight bucks a month. Okay. Literally, if you got rid of your cable and only subscribe to Tucker and only watch that, you would be better off. You would be better informed. But here's the point, and I've got a big ask for you guys here, okay? Because this is, this is just nuts. We the people see this that this invasion is targeting us and is succeeding. Time is short, and we must now take the advice of action beyond even what Texas and the trucker convoy are doing. We the people have been screaming for three years that the border is being intentionally opened up in an effort to destroy our nation and take control. We called Abbott every name in the book. I've been calling him out for three years and, uh, and for saying that he was taking action and he was not. And you'll see in the trucker convoy video that that gets exposed. He is for open borders. Abbott is a Bush family guy. Now everyone wants, wants to make him a hero for standing up to Biden and actually taking action to close the Texas border. But as they say in Texas, the cows are already out of the barn, Governor. They're already in the country. Then these phony rhino Republican governors, with the true exception of Ron DeSantis in Florida, are going to pretend that they want to help stop the invasion when they have actually facilitated it for three years. Ask each of the governors how many illegals did Biden ship to your state. Ask them if they know where they are. That's the real question. And so how many of them did what DeSantis did 
and stop the Biden charter flights from landing the planes in their state. None of them did. Why? As Texas AG Ken Paxton says in a video clip, they are intentionally targeting red states and these cowardly, complicit Republican governors helped them. Now, since the evasion is the number one campaign issue, they want to pretend that they are against it. Don't buy it for a minute. They have stood by and done nothing as our schools, our hostels, our community services are getting crushed by the cost to take care of 9 million people who have no business being in our community. So I have a big ass, folks, a big ass. And for those of you who are new to the podcast, this is a news aggregation show where we try to go through the news, get rid of the propaganda, give you the facts and things that are true that affect your individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity. Nothing affects your individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity than this planned invasion by the communist left of our country, okay? Nothing. So I'm asking you to take action. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to call your governor, okay? And on on the page for this story, you know, I, I have a link to all the governors, I said, and I want you to ask them these questions. Number one, how many illegals are in your state and where are they? Number two, what is your plan to help President Trump identify all the illegals in your state and depart them starting next year? Don't you think you should have a plan when Trump says we're going to deport them all? What is your governor doing? My bet is nothing. Number three, will you commit to cutting off all social services to illegal immigrants in your state in order to force them to self-deport? Remember last week, I did the story about uh, Pakistan deported 500,000 Afghan citizens by what? Cutting off all their aid. Most of them went back to Afghanistan on their own. Is your state ready to do that? If not, why? Will you publicly identify and defund all the nonprofits and state agencies in your state that receive state funds to move illegals to and around your state? This is our problem. I say to you all the time, we can defeat the left because they use our money, they steal our money to fund their efforts to destroy us. Will your governor cut them off? Will they identify these non-government agencies and make it so they can't operate in your state? And so I ask you to call your governor and ask those questions and then tell me what they say. I put a link in to write to us and tell us what your governor says. This is an invasion and the Republican leadership in the House, in the Senate, and in your state are facilitating it. This is a fact, folks. We are at war and we are under attack. And you better be concerned because the enemy's within the gates. And if things start up, we're not going to be fighting them in the Middle East. You're going to be fighting them in your town, on your streets, in your neighborhood. That's literally what they're positioning to do. And that's the whole Ray cyber attack thing is about. This ain't a game, the Chinese. They're in it to become the winners. And so then I did post this video on our website where Tucker Carlson interviews one of the people behind the trucker convoy. And you will notice that this trucker convoy has gotten like zero, just no coverage nationally. 
Uh, Laura Rogan, uh, Logan wrote on X that the truckers should be very concerned. Be aware, numerous sources indicate the federal government is planning to try to make this another fake insurrection and go after people in the convoy the same way they targeted people for exercising their constitutional rights on January 6th. They are already tracing and tracking people through their phones, iPads, etc. Well, we're not surprised by that. And if you watch this video, you're going to see Tucker speak with the convoy's leader. His name is Dr. Peter Chambers. This guy is no dummy. He's former military. He actually served on the Texas border where they're going to help the Texas you know, National Guard stop this invasion. You will be very interested in watching the video with Tucker Carlson and the trucker guy because he gives you some information about what Abbott wasn't doing all along and why they're doing this. And I think that they're, you know, they're doing a great thing, but it's been hard to support them because there's just no coverage. So if you want to know what's going on with the Texas trucker convoy, you should watch that video. It's very insightful. Okay, through all of this, through all of this, Trump just keeps going up in the polls. A new Bloomberg poll, uh, the morning consult, which is a respectable poll of Trump-Biden matchup, is showing that Trump is leading in all seven swing states. North Carolina, Trump is up by 10. Nevada, Trump is up by 8. Uh, Georgia, he's up by 8. Wisconsin, by 5. Michigan, by 5. Uh, Pennsylvania, by 3. Arizona, okay, by 3. Okay? It's just clear that with the illegal immigration, the crime, the inflation, now Biden just starting a new war in the Middle East. We're now fully engaged, and I'll talk about that next, in the Middle East. People don't want this. Trump looks real good to them, and he's winning in the black community, and he's winning in Hispanics, and he's even talking to the unions, okay? And so it's, it's showing in the polls. So what do they do? Well, they respond. Biden's super PAC makes the largest ad purchase in U.S. history to target uh, battleground states. This will put in perspective for you, folks. They're 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 you know they're going to fight. They're not going to give up their power. They're going to fight us. The Democrat super PAC backing President Biden's re-election bid is reserving television airtime. It claims will be the largest political ad buy in U.S. history. Future Forward, which is the name of the pack, plans to reserve $250 million worth of advertising through a variety of mediums across the country. Future Forward says the bulk of its ad buy, $140 million, will be committed to television, while the remaining $110 million will be spread across digital and streaming services. The spending represents a significant uptick from the group's expenditures during the Biden's 2020 campaign, in which the Democrat Alliance Super PAC spent $151 million. They're spending $250 million in ad buys in basically the seven states. So this is going to be tough. We're going to have to you know, communicate. We're going to have to get our voters out and not let them be influenced by the propaganda, which is going to be mostly about Trump's a dictator. Trump's an insurrectionist. You should fear Trump. They're fear mongers, okay? That's all they've got. Scare you to death. Oh, you know, you may hate Biden, but Trump's worse. We're going to have to fight that fight and win it, okay? We're going to have to fight that fight and win it. Now, because of the polls, many people are now really, really believing that Joe Biden's not going to be the nominee. 
that basically they're going to you know go through the primary process, which is no primary process at all, and then at the convention, you know Biden will you know fake ill health or whatever, and they'll say, well, Joe Biden you know can't run, and we don't want Kamala, so we're going to add you know we're going to bring in Gavin Newsom or Michelle Obama or you name it, whoever the hell it is. Now the Michelle Obama thing I want to address. Because I told you last week, I don't fear Michelle Obama. We're not running against Joe Biden, folks. We're running against inflation, war, illegal immigration, you know, censorship, uh, you know, the, uh, restoring the rule of law. Those are the things that are resonating. Okay, not Joe Biden's a fool. That's great, you know, and it's great TV entertainment and it's clickbait, but it's not the issue that affects voters. Okay, it's not. But for those of you who are worried about Michelle Obama, Dick Morris had one of his lunchtime videos, and you should sign up to get these. Dick puts these out almost every day, but it's very insightful because he's been around a long time and he knows a lot of things. So listen to what Dick Morris had to say about Michelle Obama. So I think the most likely strategy that they could adopt is to wait until the convention, by which time all of the delegates will have been chosen, pledged to Biden, and then have Biden pull out at the last minute and endorse Michelle and let her spring her on the on the country suddenly uh, so that there's no time to reflect, there's no time to question her, there are no debates she has to go through, and she can just be sprung on the electorate as a last-minute surprise and with the accompanying adulation about the first woman black president in the United States history. I think that the what what we have to do to try to stop that is to do what I'm doing right now, publicize the possibility of Michelle Obama. And of us all look at her radical separatist rhetoric when she was in college, uh, saying that segregation was the preferred option for the black people, not integration. Uh, combine that with saying equity, which is not merit-based, uh, is better than equality, uh, which does include merit. She also would be in favor of reparations for blacks because of slavery, she would be in favor of the loose measures to uh, deal with crime, like no bail uh, and defunding the police. And she also would likely oppose strong measures to enforce the border and would tend to advocate an open border. She'd probably support teaching critical race theory in schools and would likely advocate an open border uh, with no, no or few restrictions on illegal immigration. These issues could bring her down, but it's important to air them while there still is possibility of her running or not running. The more we irradiate the ground she'd have to walk out over to become a candidate, the less likely it is that she'll submit to let herself be used in this capacity. So Dick Morris, you know, is, is saying it's a possibility and he's obviously laying out we need to irradiate the ground she would have to walk on, you know, to, to run. So I'll link that on our podcast page so that video is available to you, okay? And you need to share with people. If people say, Michelle Obama, you know, you, you got to put with that, yeah, she's for, you know, critical race theory. She's for open borders. She's for reparations. She's, you know, she hates America, you know, all those things. So you got to start, you know, making that, put that out there so when they start to poll to see who should replace joe she doesn't do very well okay so that's a strategy that you know dick's laying out that we need to carry out so i'm asking you to do that 
So then, you know, before we, you know, close the first half of the show, we need to acknowledge that three American soldiers were killed. And it's, it's just so sad. Uh, UNOS identifies as three soldiers killed on attack in Jordan. The three U.S. soldiers killed in the drone attack on the U.S. military outpost in Jordan were identified Monday as Sergeant William Rivers, 46, of Carrollton, Georgia, Specialist Kennedy Sanders, 24, of Waycross, Georgia, and Specialist Brianna Moffat, 23, of Savannah, Georgia, according to the Defense Department. They were all assigned to the 718th Engineering Company, a U.S. Army Reserve unit based out of Fort Monroe, Georgia. Pentagon Deputy Press Secretary Sabrina Singh said at a briefing. More than 40 uh, soldiers were injured in the attack, according to Singh, a number that could possibly increase. The drone hit a housing facility on the base where many service members were asleep in the early morning hours, leading to a high number of casualties, they said. And the story appears to be that the drone that hit the base was uh, coming in at the same time that a U.S. drone was coming in, and they mistook it for the U.S. drone and didn't shoot it down. It's just terrible to see these lives, you know, lost. And, of course, you know, the U.S., you know, the pressure was high to retaliate. And so, you know... After at least 159 attacks on U.S. forces on Friday, just yesterday, uh, the U.S. you know uh, unleashed uh, an attack on air assault on 85 targets. The U.S. has launched an air assault on several sites in Iraq and Syria used by Iran-backed militia. The U.S. Central Command said the strikes were targeting targeted at Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Quds Force and affiliated militia groups. Uh, Joe Biden warned in a statement released after the attacks began that if you harm an American, we will respond. The U.S. said that it it has so far hit exactly what we meant to hit. At least 18 Iran-backed fighters have been killed in strikes in eastern Syria, the Caesarean Observatory for Human Rights has said. Now, the criticism is that they, they didn't damage Iran, which is behind this. We are at war with Iran. Iran is funding all of these groups, and they're funding it with money that the Biden administration gave them, right? Remember the $6 billion loan that they just gave them last fall? And, and you know, the money that, is, that Iran has made from oil, which they were supposed to be stopped from doing, is funding the whole thing. The Biden administration caused this, Okay. They caused the whole thing. The attack on Israel doesn't happen, does not happen if Joe Biden doesn't fund Iran to make it possible for them to fund these terrorists. So that's the bottom line. And already the the experts are saying, this isn't going to stop Iran. You're taking out these little sites. The mullahs don't give a crap about these poor SOBs that were, were blasted out of the sky or you know, blown up on the ground. They're just fodder. You got to hurt Iran. We didn't hurt Iran. So expect this to continue, right? And there's a real danger here, folks, of a full-fledged war with the U.S. engaged in the Middle East. No one in America wants that, but oh, the military you know, defense industrial complex does, right? Oh, we got the Iraq war or the Ukrainian war with Russia. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's have another war in the Middle East. And then maybe we can get China to attack so we can really make a lot of money. It's sick. But that's what's going on. 
And these morons in the Biden administration are leading us into war where Trump was the only president in your lifetime who never started a war. Remember that, folks. Remember that. And if you want to end these wars, peace through strength, you got to elect Donald Trump. And if we're going to elect Donald Trump, we got to get our 2024 Victory Fund fully funded. And so I'm asking you to go to freedomforallpack.org and donate because that's what we got to do. You can also go to wethepeopleconvention.org on the front page and there's a, li- a button right there at the, uh, the first thing you see to donate. I ask you to do that as soon as possible. All right, we're going to wrap up the first half of the show. You've been listening to the We The People Convention News and Opinion Podcast. My name is Tom Zawistowski, and we'll be back after these messages. The We The People Convention News and Opinion Radio Program is paid for by donors like you. You can donate to the We The People Convention and support our cause by going to wethepeopleconvention.org or by sending your check in any amount to We The People Convention, P.O. Box 6211, Akron, Ohio, 44312. When you're playing a video, including our podcast, you'll see this little cloud button, and if you click it, it'll actually download the, po- the video to your hard disk. And this works on our podcast page as well. If, you, if you're playing our podcast, and it's going to be loud, so I won't play it for much, but there's our podcast playing, and you can see this little you know, download button. Okay. The other thing you got to notice on our podcast page is that there's a link here where you can send me a message about this podcast. Hey, it was great. Hey, I didn't like it. What, you know, something was wrong or here's a correction, that kind of thing. You can use that link. And then these are the stories that I covered in this particular podcast. And you'll see there's links that go to the stories, that, to the articles that I used in reporting on that. So you can, you can click on that. Um, you'll also see that um, you can sign up for our emails and text messages, but you can also watch our podcast on Roku TV and on Amazon Fire TV. And these are the instructions for doing that. So this is all on our, our podcast page, right? Right on the front page where the yellow button was. So if you click there, you know, this is our, our podcast page. These are the instructions for watching on Roku TV or Amazon Fire. And I watch our podcast on TV. It just feels more comfortable. Uh, so you can do that. We're also on Rumble. Uh, if you go to Rumble, uh, you should join Rumble. Uh, and, you know, it's Tom Z at WTPC. You'll see our podcast there. So you can get us a lot of different ways, including on Apple iTunes. And then this is an audio uh, version of our podcast. If you click here, it'll just play the audio of the podcast. It will not, uh, you know, uh, know, show you the video. So people can, you know, listen to that while they're jogging or, you know, working out, working in the yard or just relaxing and just want to listen to the audio and not watch the video. And again, this is available on phone, on your iPad, on your laptop, on your computer computer any way you want and you can share you know this this you know whatever you see if you're on a page that you you know you really like and you know you see an article that you think geez I've got to share this article you know with uh, someone in my family you can send them an email by clicking on the little envelope you can uh, post it on parlor or MeWe. if you click on this you get all kinds of options you know where you can put it on Twitter or Facebook whatever which we don't support but uh, you can do whatever you want so so we ask that you share 
what uh, you see on our We the People convention site and that um, you get more people to look at it because uh, that's the whole idea here, to help uh, educate people, inform them. And then, as I said uh, before, Link, we're not just about talk, we're about action. And in my podcast every week, uh, which is published every Saturday, so if you, you know, the new podcast usually comes out every Saturday. And in that podcast, I will ask you to do certain things that will help protect and defend your individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity. So that's the We The People Convention website. Come back often, use it uh, to be informed, be informed, and uh, share it with others. Thanks a lot. All right, and thank you to those of you who do donate, but I understand not everyone can. It's tough out there. Nan and I are certainly feeling it, and so you can't always donate, but you can share this podcast. And then, you know, why do you want to share it? Well, we need to grow our numbers. The more people who are informed the more people who can then act on the things I've asked you to act on, right? So this, I made a big ask in the first half of the show about your governors who basically facilitated this invasion. And I'm asking you to call them and ask them those questions and, and put pressure on them because when we win this year and we come back next year and, and we want to you know, you know, deport all these people, we need to make sure we're ready to do that in our states. You're going to start banging that drum now. So the more people know about the podcast, the more people who can help us take action. So it's three things. Donate, you know, share the podcast, and then act on what I've asked you to do. And I also asked at the beginning of the podcast about the our plan for success and the letter I wrote to President Trump that I need you to look at and tell me, you know, wh- wh- if I should change it or if we should ask just regular patriots to sign it or if you just have people who are, you know, leaders in the, you know, the national organizations to send it to President Trump to try to get him to implement those. So that's the program here. We're not about talk. We're about saving our damn country. And you got to do that by taking action. And that's what we're doing. Okay. All right. So let's get on with the second half of the show because there's been some things going on that are really important for you to know. Some which you may have heard about, some you never heard a word. So this is, you know, the big news yesterday, explosive job growth. U.S. economy created 353,000 jobs in January. Holy cow. Wow, that's fantastic. Terrific stuff, right? Employers in the United States added 353,000 workers to their payrolls. The Department of Labor said Friday, the unemployment rate held steady at 3.7% in the prior month. The previous two months were revised upwards. The November figure was revised up by 9,000 to 182,000 jobs. The December number was revised up by a stunning 117,000 to 333,000. How can you be that wrong? How can you be in statistics, right? You're tracking jobs. You're, you know, you're in the labor department, and you missed the number of jobs by almost 50%. And I'm supposed to believe that this job report that you just gave me of 353,000 new jobs is real. It's not real. It's all political. It's bull crap, okay? Don't believe it. Don't buy it. Here's the video 
Listen. Well, look, he took it off the table in March. If he doesn't do it in June, it's going to be all political and people are going to say he's getting political. That's, of course, what President Trump told me in my exclusive interview that he thinks the Fed is going to get political and cut rates to help Joe Biden. Uh, Rebecca, how do you see this report? It's a shock, actually. And, you know, Maria, it doesn't jive, which is the Challenger report just said that U.S. employers announced 82,000 job cuts in the month of January. So where are all these jobs coming from? Obviously, need to look at the details, but it does not compute. They do not add up. And I think that, you know, you've got UPS saying 12,000, cities saying 20,000. Yeah. We're getting these consistently big announcements of massive layoffs, and yet we come with a job report that's like the best jobs report we've seen in six mm. months. Yeah. What is happening with the BLS data. What is happening? When you look at... Yeah, what is happening is they're fudging it. They're fudging it because we're in an election year and the Federal Reserve is going to cut rates when they shouldn't because inflation is still like 3.7% and their goal is to get to 2 okay? But they're going to do it to help stay in power, to keep their jobs. That's why they're going to do it, okay? And so don't believe this crap and, and, and play that video for your friends so they don't believe it, okay? Now, something you should believe because it's true and it has profound impact on all of us is this story. Elon Musk says a human patient has received Neuralink's brain implant. Details are scarce, but Neuralink co-founder Musk says initial results are promising. Folks, this is a big deal. This is, you know, where we start to step into human brain to computer interface. And I know many of you are concerned about this, and you have a good right to be. But let's look at the facts as they are right now. Elon Musk said on social media platform X on Monday, the first human patient had received a brain implant developed by his company, Neuralink. After years of delay... Neuralink started recruiting patients for a clinical trial in the fall after receiving approval from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration and a hospital ethics board. The company has developed a device called a brain-computer interface. Musk has said that Neuralink's ultimate goal is to achieve a symbiosis with artificial intelligence. But for now, he's starting with a far more, far more modest aim allowing paralyzed people to control a cursor or keyboard with their brains. In a brochure about the study, Neuralink says it is recruiting participants with quadriplegia, a paralysis in all four limbs due to cervical spinal cord injury or amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, and that are at least 22 years old. It anticipates the study will take six years to complete. In its brochure, the company says it will use a surgical robot it developed to place the implant into a region of the brain that controls movement and tension. Once in place, the coin-sized device is designed to record and transmit brain signals wirelessly to an app that decodes those signals. In his post on Monday, Musk added that the patient was recovering well and that the initial results show promising neuron spike detection but it could be months before we know whether the patient can successfully use the implant to control a computer or other device. The person will have to recover from surgery and then training you know, someone to use a BCI can take several weeks or months after that. So you know, we're stepping over a line now where this is becoming real. This is a real human, whoever that person is, that's going to be the first person. And we don't know how quickly this will you know, evolve, but you need to know that we're now entering into that world. 
And again, with all the political nose and, and stupid stuff on your TV, you probably didn't even hear about this. This is something also I've been talking about, and now it's expanding, and you need to understand that we are in a global fight against the World Economic Forum, the communist Chinese, the totalitarians who want to rule over us. And so we've been talking about the, you know, the, the uh, farmer protests in Germany, and then France farmers that started protesting and say they will take the protests against excessive green regulations to uh, EU uh, directives in Paris. And this is a big escalation. Despite the government backing down on a proposed fuel hike, French farmers say more action is needed as a new week of protests target the capital of Paris. French agriculture unions are prepared to mount an indefinite siege on Paris starting Monday as part of an ongoing protest calling for the government to roll back a range of uncompetitive reg regulations hurting the livelihoods of the nation's growers and agriculture workers. According to France's two main farming unions, uh, their members are ready, are ready to converge on the French capital with their tractors and other farming equipment. All major roads will be blocked for an indefinite period, mimicking a medieval siege without the bloodshed until their grievances are solved. Among the concerns being aired by the farmers are not receiving a fair price for their produce and little to no protection against supermarkets buying cheaper imports and undercutting them. Endless red tape, low fuel emission targets, low pensions, and complex environmental laws have all been flagged as concerns by the farmers. So this is a global pushback on the climate Nazis, okay? On the climate, you know, anti-capitalist, you know, communists, the climate commies who are trying to say, oh, the world's going to end in 12 years, so let's cut off your food, okay? And let's cut off your energy and all this stuff. And I talked to you last week that the tide is turning. The climate thing is falling apart. Young people are starting to get the clue that they were lied to. And now these farmers are attacking all these woke joke, you know, uh, anti-agriculture things that are happening here in the United States and elsewhere. But it's a global fight. And so I, that's why I want you to know that we're not alone. We're not just fighting this in the United States. We have fellow you know, patriots around the globe, people who want individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity, and not totalitarian rule. That's what the fight is. That's what I keep talking about. So I found this story really kind of interesting. Global anti-corruption efforts are faltering, partially due to the decline in justice survey fines. Well, we certainly would agree that there's been a decline in justice, right? But what does this mean? This is from Berlin. Efforts to fight public sector correction, corruption are faltering around the world, in part because of global decline in justice and the rule of law since 2016. Oh, really? According to a corruption index released Tuesday by Transparency International, which compiles the annual Corruption Perception Index, found 23 countries at their worst level since the global rankings began almost three decades ago, including both high-ranking democracies and authoritarian states, meaning the democracies are acting like authoritarian states. On the report, um, on the report Decline in Justice, the group said the rise of authoritarianism in some countries contributes to this trend, and even in democratic contexts, the mechanisms that keep government in check have weakened, intentionally weakened. That's what's happening in the United States. This is no accident. 
Those people who are, say they're judges and lawyers who swore an oath to uphold the law are breaking the law. They're knowingly breaking the law. They don't give a damn about the law. They only care about ruling over you. That's the problem. Corruption will continue to thrive until justice systems can punish wrongdoing and keep government in check. Transparency International Chair Francisco Valerian said in a statement, he added that leaders should fully invest and in and guarantee the independence of institutions that uphold the law and tackle corruption, like, oh, the Department of Justice, the FBI, the NSA, the CIA. Yeah, but they're not. They're not. That's why we have to win. That's why we have to fund the 2044 Victory Fund. Because if we don't win, these people are going to crush us, crush us, take away all our freedom and liberty and prosperity. Let me tell you, you'll own nothing and like it, remember? The organization measures the perception of public sector corruption according to 13 data sources, and you'll get love this, including the World Bank, the World Economic Forum, and private risk and consulting companies. It ranks 180 countries and territories on a scale from a highly corrupt of zero to very clean 100. Among the countries hitting their lowest levels ever were relatively high-scoring democracies such as Iceland, the Netherlands, Sweden, and Britain. Authoritarian countries, including Iran, Russia, and Venezuela, also dropped. Denmark led the index with the highest score for the sixth consecutive year, with a 90, as followed by Finland with 87 and New Zealand with 85. Now, I find that hard to believe that New Zealand's at 85 after what they went through with COVID in New Zealand, which is freaking nuts. Anyway, the United States was unchanged with a score of 69, putting it in 24th place. 24th place, the United States of America, with our Bill of Rights and our Constitution, is only ranked 24th in the world in protecting your rights and the rule of law. That's, that's horrible, okay? At the other end, Somalia, again, had the weakest score with 11, is followed by South Sudan, Syria, and Venezuela with 13 each. Yemen had 16 score, and Haiti, North Korea, and Nicaragua had 17 each. But I'll note, on the other end, Somalia, again, had the weakest score, and yet Ilan Omar is out there this week talking about how Somalia is going to tell America what to do, right? Yeah, that was a fiasco, that whole thing. thing. She needs to be not only thrown out of Congress, she needs to be deported. She is here illegally by claiming her brother was her husband, okay? She needs to be deported, that's what you do if you invoke if you invoke the rule of law and justice, right? And justice. So let's continue. So the U.S. was unchanged. What a joke! Unchanged. Our score is not worse after what's happened since January sixth, and what happens in all these cases. Well, let me let me explain how bogus that is and how their score stinks. Okay. Ex-IRS contractor who leaked Trump's tax returns sentenced to five years in prison. And you may say, wow, five years in prison, you know, that's, that's a pretty good sentence. No, it's not. No, it's not. They gave this guy because he heard Trump? They're rewarding him. Who's rewarding him? The Department of Injustice is rewarding him. The, the deep state, the left is rewarding him because he heard Trump, don't you know? So here's the whole story. 
A former contractor for the IRS was sentenced to five years in prison on January 29th for leaking tax information associated with thousands of individuals, including former President Trump. Charles Littlejohn, 38, pleaded guilty in October 2023 to one count of unauthorized disclosure of tax returns and return information. He leaked President Trump's information to the New York Times in 2019 and shared data on some of the wealthiest Americans with ProPublica in 2020. His crime, U.S. District Judge Ann Reese said, was the biggest heist in U.S. history. His sentence included $5,000 in fines and community service. Okay, now listen. It cannot be open season on our elected officials, Judge Reese said, before adding that the judge had a duty to make that clear. She later noted that Mr. Littlejohn purposely sought his job, at least in part, to leak the tax information. Judge Reese also said she would go beyond sentencing guidelines, adding that his offense covered the personal information and tax information of a substantial number of individuals, as well as risking non-monetary harm. She also scrutinized the plea deal, saying she had no words for the fact that he would only faced one count. He let thou he, he he disclosed hundreds of wealthy people's tax returns. It should have been five years for every freaking count. He was charged with one count. Okay, Rick, Senator Rick Scott from Florida, who was among those whose tax returns were leaked. He offered a victim statement in which he criticized Mr. Littlejohn's conduct and suggested he got the plea deal of the century. Okay? That's why we shouldn't be ranked even 69th on the justice index score that I just talked to you about. It's despicable what these people have done. Okay? And this is tied into, you saw the 11 uh, Christian protesters at the abortion clinic who were convicted this week in Tennessee of violating the FACE Act. And they want to put them in prison for like 10 years. Okay? It's just, it's just unbelievable. Okay? And then you have this the insanity of the Trump trials and the other trials. And I and again, I want to deal with facts and not propaganda and things that actually affect our individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity. So I'm not giving a whole lot of information on these, these trials. Because it's just, it's, it's just a mess, okay? It's just a mess. So Trump's federal election trial postponed indefinitely by the judge. This story is important because it is now clear that Donald Trump will not face any of the federal trials. The Mar-a-Lago documents thing, the, the, the January 6th trial in New York, all the Jack Smith you know, charges are not going to be tried before the election. Okay, the trial date in the election interference case against former President Donald Trump was postponed. The federal judge overseeing the case confirmed on Friday. The court will set a new schedule if and when the mandate is returned. U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin wrote in in the order handing a victory to former president as he appeals the case on arguments that he was immune from prosecution. More than 50 days have passed since Judge Chutkin paused the case amid, amid, amid the former president's appeal to the U.S. District Court of Appeals. Uh, over the past several weeks, she has signaled the initial March 4th trial date would not hold. We said that all along. Jack Smith is a joke. He's a pathetic prosecutor. Okay, he's making all kinds of errors. But the bottom line is, none of the federal cases are going to come to trial. So the whole lawfare thing is failing. Now, the cases in New York 
are going to proceed, but they're going to be appealed as well. Okay, so don't take news that oh, geez, you know, uh, you know that, that this is uh, you know Trump's going to pay eighty-three million dollars to that lunatic lady. And by the way, go to WeThePeopleConvention.org and read the story about that sick woman and how they've convicted Donald Trump on zero evidence. And one of his lawyers was on a podcast. He was on with Charlie Kirk, I believe it was, uh, this this uh, Thursday. And he said, we're going to be defending Trump against these charges. And there's no way this woman's going to win any of this money. Okay? So you got to know these trials are happening, but they're helping President Trump, and they're not going to decide the election. They're not going to decide the election, which is what their original intent was. Okay? Now, on to some other news that's important to talk about. Uh, Washington State Democrats using ammo is a privilege that needs to be taxed, okay? And so that's kind of crazy because, you know, what are they trying to do? They're trying to do what they always try to do. They're trying to limit your Second Amendment rights by every way possible. Um, and here's what they're saying in, in, in Washington State. The first one in the Washington State uh, Legislature 2024 session is ending with a slew of Democratic-backed gun control proposals, including a new measure to tax people who have the privilege of using ammunition. House Bill 2238, sponsored by Democrat State Rep, uh, would create an 11% tax on the retail sale of ammunition across the state in addition to all existing federal, state, and local sales and use tax, with the exception of the sales to government you know, agencies to supply law enforcement. Uh, instead of recognizing the purchase of ammunition as an integral part of the Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms, the language of the bill classifies it as a privilege. Well, guess what, folks? They, the, the dumbass Democrats can do this in these states where they are can be totalitarian, right? And they can just impose their will. But if there is a rule of law, and, and there still is some rule of law, this will be appealed. This will go to court, and it will not stand. This is just stupid. This is just stupid what they're doing. And yet, they keep doing it because you can't fix stupid, can you? You just can't fix stupid. And so, you know, and here's, here's more uh, can't fix stupid, okay? Because these, these institutions like Harvard, these Ivy League schools, just don't get the message that their woke ideology goes completely against what they're supposed to be doing. And so they're being financially punished, and they should be financially punished. More bad news for Harvard as its finances take another massive hit. At Harvard University's finances may be about to take another significant hit. The Harvard Crimson reported on Tuesday that billionaire hedge fund manager and mega donor Kenneth C. Griffin would be pausing his donations to the university. Griffin, who donated $300 million to the Faculty of Arts and Sciences announced his decision during his keynote address of Managed Funds Association in Miami on Tuesday. He said, quote, you're going to love this. I'd like to change, and I've made that clear to members of the corporate board, but until Harvard makes it very clear that they are going to resume their role as educating young American men and women to be leaders, to be problem solvers, to take on difficult issues, I'm not interested in supporting the institution. The 55-year-old added that he was tired of whiny snowflakes promoting their far-left progressive ideology through various methods like diversity, equity, and inclusion programs. 
Will American elite universities get back to their roots of educating American young adults to be the future leaders of our country? Or are they going to maintain being lost in the wilderness of microaggressions, a DI agenda that seems to have no real endgame and just being lost in the wilderness? Griffin added, Griffiths, who is the owner and CEO of Citadel Investments, also weighed in on the issue of anti-Semitism by confirming he would follow the lead of fellow billionaire Bill Eichmann and not hire any students who signed an open letter calling for a boycott of Israel after an attack by Hamas last October. Okay? Stupid is stupid does, man. You're, you're going to pay the price. We have to make them pay the price. Anyone you know who is donating to woke joke you know, uh, universities, you need to have a talk with them. Share that story with them. It's going to be on our podcast page. It's going to be right there. You can just you know use the share links and send it to them. Okay? Um, this is an interesting story, and I think it's a trend, and, and I want to talk to you about this. Missouri joins other states in caucus system for electing party's presidential nominee. Missouri has recently adopted a caucus system joining other states and choosing their party's presidential nominee. The decision was made after the Missouri General Assembly passed a law in 2022 to abolish the traditional March presidential preference primary. The new process outlined in Missouri's uh, Statute 1576 grants the responsibility of nominating candidates to the establishment political parties within the states. Under the the state uh, law, state party organizations recognized by the national organizations of each political party will conduct a series of caucuses leading up to congressional and state conventions. These caucuses aim to nominate a candidate for the presidency before the national convention. Delegates for the national convention will be chosen as these congressional districts and state conventions following rules set by each political party. With this shift, each established political party in Missouri now has autonomy in determining its own process for selecting a nominee. Now, I say this is interesting and I think it's a trend because at the meeting that the Weezy People Convention held in Columbus a couple weekends ago with key party, you know, Patriot Liberty Group leaders, we discussed the fact that the two parties are our enemies. Do you think the Republican Party is your friend? Does the Republican Party help to protect and defend individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity? No. And the Democratic Party is the Communist Party. So why are we supporting them? This law that they just passed in Missouri will save $10 million. In Ohio, doing this would save probably $20 or $30 million. Here's my question. Political parties are private corporations by law. Why the hell are we, as taxpayers, paying to pay for the whole operation for them to have a political primary. Why are we doing that? Particularly when the majority of us aren't Republicans or Democrats, folks. Go look at the statistics. In most states, the majority of people are independents. They're being taxed to fund private corporations' operations. We need to stop that. And we talked at our meeting about in Ohio, I want to know why two Republicans and two Democrats run the Board of Elections. What the hell right do they have to run the Board of Elections? Why can the two parties, the Republicans and Democrats, decide how many signatures you need to be on the ballot as an independent? That's ridiculous. 
Guess who funds the Board of Elections? Your county taxes. It's taxation without representation. The people who run the Board of Elections should be on the ballot and elected by all the citizens and anyone can run. Instead, they just get appointed in our state in Ohio. I don't know how it is in your state, but we've got to stop subsidizing these parties who aren't working for us. They're not working for us. So I applaud Missouri doing this. And I'd like to hear from you guys what you think about what I just said. I think it's end. It's time we end the subsidies of, poli- of public funds for these private corporations. So I was glad to see that. I was also glad to see this. This is from Breitbart. You probably didn't see this story. 2,681, quote, journalists lost their jobs in Joe Biden's economy, according to the Associated Press. And he says in the article, he says, that's what I call a good start. I'll bet you good money that over 90% of those who lost their jobs voted for uh, his his fraudulency, Joe Biden. So what we have here is another case of people getting what they voted for, boo-hoo. Those 2,681 jobs lost over the first 11 months of 2023 added up to more than the full year of 2022 and 2021, uh, the employment firm of Challenger Gray and Christmas told the AP. And already this year, the far-left Los Angeles Times has announced 115 job cuts, which I talked about last week, roughly 20% of its newsroom staff. Layoffs and buyouts have hit a wide swath of news industry over the past year at ZAP, the Washington Post, NPR, CNN, Vox Media are all among the companies that have laid off people. There are two reasons why all these left-wing outlets are bleeding cash and staff. One, Biden tanked the economy. Two, see below. Russia, Russia, collusion hoax, hands up, don't shoot clause hoax, Jesse Smollett hoax, coming in kids hoax. Uh, seven-hour gap hoax, Russian bounties hoax, Trump trashes troops hoax, eating while black uh, black hoax, NASCAR noose hoax. It, it just lists a whole list of the fact that it's real simple. They're going out of business because they stink, because they're not journalists. They're propagandists. And guess what? You and I and those on the conservative side and the majority of Americans have woken up and aren't buying their woke nonsense. Folks, just just believe me, the, the media, quote unquote, is dying. I told you about Tucker Carlson, okay, who's got way more viewers than Fox and CNN and all of them combined. Why? Because there's good information there. You saw the interview with Ken Paxson. You should watch the trucker interview, the Texas trucker convoy interview. The, the interview he just did with Brett Weinstein about the border? Holy cow. Holy cow. Where do you watch that on TuckerCarlson.com? Okay? Because Brett Weinstein, who's no fool, is basically saying that the U.S. government and the U.N. are working together to orchestrate the invasion that Paxson said is designed to make our country one-party rule. Okay, and that's why you got to call your damn governor, like I asked, and hold their feet to the fire. Okay, but anyway, the journalists are getting laid off, and good for you, because try to find a real job, pal. 
You're going to find it harder and harder as the whole woke stuff dies and the DEI dies. And speaking of it dying, Utah passes bill banning DEI and men using women's bathrooms. Oh, what a concept, huh? Utah lawmakers have passed two bills, one restricting bathroom access based on sex, another eliminating diversity, equity, and inclusion from education. The Utah legislature on January 26th approved these two conservative-minded bills that prompted Democrats to don all black in mourning when they came for the vote. Screw you, man. This is about who has the votes and who doesn't. This is about imposing your will on them, okay? If we're going to save our country, there is no middle ground. These lunatics want to destroy our nation. If we're going to defend it, we have to destroy them first. So uh, keeping men from women's space is an appropriate and much-needed boundary in Utah and across America, the bill sponsor, State Rep. Kara Birkeland, a Republican, said in a post on social media platform X. Uh, men don't belong in women's bathroom, competitive swimmer Riley Gaines said on X. Thanks, Kara Burke, for your leadership on this. All of you in Utah, our members in Utah, you got you to gotta call and say, good job. Good job on this. The other bill, HB 261, titled the Equality Equal Opportunity Initiative Act, prohibits government employers and institutions of higher education and public education from engaging in discriminatory practices, including those based on DEI principles. The measure sponsored by State Rep. Kathy Hall, a Republican, would ban requiring an individual before, during, or after admission or employment to provide certain submissions or attend certain training that promotes differential treatment between individuals. It's racist. DEI, which they claim stops racism, is racism against white people. They just outlawed it in Utah. Way to go, Utah. You folks in Utah, thank them. You can't just complain all the time. You got to support the people that help us, okay? That's key. Next story. Florida okay, is getting rid of the transgender people being able to change their sex on their driver's license. This always, to me, seemed like the right thing to do. I mean, it's it doesn't make any sense. You can't change your sex. So how can you put it on a driver's license, which law enforcement depends on when they're you know trying to figure out if you committed a crime or not? Transgender Floridians will no longer be able to change their gender on state-issued driver's license, according to the Florida Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles memo addressed to county tax collectors. The department's memo sent January 26 by Deputy Executive Director Robert Kynotch states that gender markers on newly issued Florida driver's licenses should reflect individual sex assigned at birth and nothing else. Okay? What a concept. And he says this follows the same laws that are invoked on a passport. They don't let you put down your whatever sex you want on a passport. Why? Because government agencies have to depend on that to figure out who the hell you are. Common sense is starting to reinforce itself, reimpose itself on this insane world the left has tried to create and that we wholeheartedly reject. And it's great. And so speaking of rejecting, I couldn't end the podcast without sharing this story with you because I love it. Tampon dispenser installed in high school boys' bathroom destroyed less than 20 minutes later. Yep, it took less than 20 minutes for a tampon dispenser in a boys' restroom at a Connecticut high school to be ripped from the wall and tampons scattered all over the floor. 
Was it an act of defiance against woke insanity or a meaningless prank? It's hard to say, but let's see if we can figure it out. The tampon dispenser was installed on January 24th in response to an upcoming new state law, according to Connecticut Insider. A student or students was or were subsequently disciplined, according to school's principal, who called it an egregious instance of vandalism and destruction of property. Perhaps the perpetrator thought installing a menstrual product dispenser in a boy's bathroom was an egregious instance of woke insanity. Right? Kudos. Kudos to these young men. Yeah, they're going to pay the price, but we got to pay the price. And young people are starting to step up. They put these products in your bathroom. Why? To try to influence you, to make you think it's real. It's not real. You must reject it. So rip it off the wall and throw it out in the hall. And then go after this principal and say, we don't care what the state law says. You're not taking my kid you know, and doing disciplinary stuff against him for your insanity. That principal needs to go. You guys in Connecticut, double down on this. Support this. This is the kind of action we need to take. We have to reject the insanity that they're trying to impose on us, right? There's an example. Young high school students. Yeah, okay? Follow the kids. They're not, they're not as stupid as we like to think, and they're sure as hell not as woke. We've seen that boys, young boys, are turning more and more conservative because they're the victims of the you know, white toxicity and you know, white racism and all this crap that's being fed to them. And they're sick of it. And so I can see why they chucked the, the, you know, the tampon dispenser you know, off the wall. Makes perfect sense to me. So I want to close the podcast to, to give you something I think that will help you. Okay? And it's on our website. You'll see this story. Jordan, Jordan Peterson delivers a message of hope. And, and he's talking about the truth. And the whole video is on this page uh, on our website at wethepeopleconvention.org. Whole videos there. And you're gonna you will hear Tucker Carlson basically sound like a lot of us who's saying, man, I don't know if we survived this. I don't know if we survived the year. I don't know if we can stop the cheating. I don't know if we can stop this evil. And Tucker's despondent. And then Jordan Peterson gets to speak. And I'm gonna play just his part of it. And I want you to listen to what he has to say. I, I would say maybe that, and, and you, Tucker, you actually asked for a, an alternative to the view that you were expressing, the somewhat pessimistic view of the dominance of people in power. In the video that led up to your entrance onto the stage, you pointed out a realization that you had, which was that nothing better in your life can happen to you than what happens if you tell the truth. And I, I believe that to be the case. I actually believe that that's why we have the idea that power is vested in the people. And I don't think that power is where people think it is. I don't think that power is in the hands of the elite. The ability to manipulate, misuse power might be in the hand of the elite, but the power that we need to set the world straight is actually at your fingertips. And this is actually, this is actually a rather terrifying realization, you know, because there's some relief in thinking that 
the elites can do whatever they want and there's nothing that someone as small as you could possibly do about it. And that's wrong because you're not small. And it's wrong because it's irresponsible to presume that. And it's wrong because the truth is more terrifying and also more liberating. And the truth of the matter is, is that if you utilized what you had at hand, which at least is the ability that you have at hand to say what you think truly and as clearly as you can, even if you're not that articulate, that the world would change around you in ways that would make you immune to the blandishments of the power-mongering elite. And I'm, I'm hoping that enough people will realize their, the power of their affinity with the truth, especially when it's allied with the will to aim up, to, to have the courage to speak that truth. And if enough people do that, then the terrible things that we're concerned about coming forward at us in the future will have no purchase whatsoever. You know, like I learned a long time ago that the war that we're in is psychological or spiritual, if you want to look at it that way, rather than political. And everyone has a sense of that now, that it's something is moving that's more, that's deeper than the mere political. The tectonic plates themselves are shifting and you, you're all going to play a role in that, you know, and the role you'll play is going to be determined by what you determine to ally your speech with, for example, your decision about whether or not you're going to tell the truth in the confines of your own life. And if enough people, all of you, if enough of you decide in the local circumstances of your own life to say, to dare to say what you believe to be true, then the tyrants will have no purchase on you and you won't be slaves. And just by definition, can I just, uh, that, no, I just want to say what a beautiful sentiment I think that is, and I wish I had said that, and I, I'm so thankful that you said that, and the message that I often get, who knows from where, is that when I really feel like things are falling apart, that they really the only thing I can do is to really try my best to be a better person, and that that really matters, and specifically I mean to tell the truth all the time, not just in public but in private, to really love the people around me, in, in a, and be attentive to them more than anything. And that in doing that, you lose your fear of the future. And you know that no matter what happens, you're gonna be okay. You're not afraid of death. And I, anyway, thank you for saying that. I think that's really important. I think that's how we change the world. We create the world that we wanna live in, not the world they want us to live in. And I think that's what we do in this podcast. I think that's that's what I do in my everyday life, you know, and, and that's what you have to start doing if you're not doing it. And I know many of you do do that. You know, the problem isn't necessarily us, but we have to get more people to understand that like those boys that, you know, got rid of the tampon dispenser, you got to speak the truth. You got you to gotta say what you really believe in and not be fearful because um, it'll set you free. And as Tucker said, you know, he wished he had said that. And that video is on our website at wepeopleconvention.org. And you should share that and maybe listen to it more than once. And listen to Tucker Carlson's part because he's pretty despondent before Jordan Peterson answers. But Jordan Peterson is, is making it clear. He's showing you the path to victory. And that's why I'm convinced we're going to win. Okay? I'm convinced we're going to win. 
Now, you know, before I close the show, you know, I need you to tell other people about this podcast, and I need you to write to me. Send your comments to info at wethepeopleconvention.org. Tell me what you like, what you don't like, what I missed, what I didn't miss, what you want me to, you know, to clarify or, or whatever it is. But tell other people about this podcast so we can grow our audience because I'm, I just can't tell you, I literally spend every day trying not to be blocked. Lit, I mean, seriously, every single day, Google, AOL, you know, the phone companies are trying to block our text messages, block our emails, block our servers. It's, it's just, it's relentless. But I'm here because you keep me alive. You keep this podcast out there. You share it. You tell others about it. You listen to it. You act on what I ask you to do. You're going to call your governor, right? And, and want to know what their plans are to deport these people after we win next year. Okay, what are they going to do to help you in your state, right? You know, you're gonna, we're gonna win because you're going to support those people who passed those bills in Utah, and and did the other things that we wanted done. That's what it's all about. I'm going to keep asking you. I need you to give to the Victory Fund. Go to freedomforallpack.org or go to wethepeopleconvention.org and click on the button. I need you to give till it hurts. We need your money to go and, and attack our enemies and win these races. I think we have a chance to really have a landslide. Now, they said that in 2022, and it didn't happen. Why? Because Mitch McConnell and, and the, the deep state and the Republican elites sabotaged MAGA candidates. That's not going to happen this time. Trump wasn't on the ballot in 2022, right? So a lot of people didn't come out and vote who would have come out to vote, who are going to come out to vote this year. We got to really ride Trump's coattails. The fact that he's on the ballot this year makes a huge difference. I think Ohio has a chance to, to pick up three House seats. That's a big deal when we're only leading by like one or two right now. In your state, there's, there's a whole bunch of Democrats who've, who've stepped down or aren't going to run again. And so... We've got great opportunity, but we need the resources. And I need you, if you give to the Victory Fund, I need you to, uh, in the comments section, tell us who you think we should be helping. Because we don't know across the country, everybody in every state. But remember, the criteria is this. We can only fight the fights that we are likely to win and are worth winning. Okay. You can't just say to me, oh, support this person because they're a real patriot. That's not enough. That's not enough. They have to be able to raise the money. They have to be a good candidate. They have to be able to you know, defeat their opponents, not just in the primary, but in the general. Okay? Use your discretion. But if you suggest, when you make a donation, if you suggest someone, we'll take a look at them. And if we have the resources, we'll use them to try to elect them. But this is it, folks. Don't hold back. There's no tomorrow. We're going to commit all our resources to winning this year because we must win this year. And so finally, I ask you to go back and look at our plan, right? Go to our, the, our website and, and look at our plan for success in 2024. That's the letter to President Trump. I need to know what you think, and I need to know what if you how you think we should get president trump to pay attention to it 
because we don't have a plan right now. We, ju- we just don't. And as much as Turning Point is doing everything they can do, it's not enough. Project 2025 is important, but it's not enough. We're not going to win if we don't get organized. God has given us a gift by making this primary basically over right now. And it ain't over now. It's going to be over on Super Tuesday, which is a little while away. Okay? And we can focus the rest of the year are building an election integrity machine and a get-out-the-vote machine that the left can't beat. That's what our plan is asking President Trump to help us do. He needs to do that. If he doesn't, our odds of winning are just greatly reduced. So we're taking action. We're not just talking. I'm not going to sit back and say, oh, President Trump will take care of it. No. We can't do that. There was too much of that in 2020 when they wouldn't listen to the grassroots or the lawyers, wouldn't listen to Catherine Engelbrecht and the ACLJ about what's going to happen when they were to steal the election. They wouldn't listen to us when we said declare temporary partial martial law and have a revote, which we should have done. We wouldn't be here today and Joe Biden would have never been president. So now we got to do better, like I said in the letter. Go read the letter. Write to me at info at wethepeopleconvention.org and let me know what you think. I thank you so much for taking your time to watch this podcast. We are in this together. And God willing, we'll both be back next week for the next podcast. In the meantime, enjoy yourself. Enjoy your family. Tell the truth. Be proud to be an American. Fight for liberty. Be a happy warrior. Don't be downtrodden by the propaganda. Forget that nonsense. Know that we're going to win. Know it, because we're going to win. The only way we don't win is if we quit, and we sure as hell ain't going to quit. Okay? So until next week, God bless you, and God bless America. You've been listening to the We the People Convention News and Opinion Podcast, and my name is Tom Zawistowski. Twilight's last gleaming Who's brought